What's up, everyone? This episode is brought to you by Focusrite. Focusrite is one of the top manufacturers of audio recording equipment and, in particular, home studio equipment. So if you're looking to set up a home studio to record some drums, check out the Claret 8 Pre-USB audio interface. This is an eight-channel interface, so it has eight microphone inputs, but it also has the capability to be expanded. If you wanted to add more channels, you can use the ADAT connections and connect something like the Claret Octo Pre, which is another eight mic input uh, device. So anyway, the Claret 8 Pre USB audio interface, it's a great piece, especially if you're looking to get your home studio up and running with minimal investment. Um, it has a couple features that are really good for drums. Um, in particular, there's the direct monitoring option, which allows you to hear the sound that's going into the microphones before it hits your computer. So there's not going to be any latency whatsoever. Go to Focusrite and then check out the Claret 8P USB audio interface. And let's get the show rolling. those smooth sounds from marcus over in munich uh i love smooth sounds but it's even better when they're from munich because you can feel the munich in them hey i got a uh, passport application in finally so oh there, my god that was like the ongoing joke at nam was everyone was hey did you get your passport yet get your passport yet? wow you're gonna be a world traveler <laughs> the guy awesome. at the post office looked at me like is this your first Passport, I'm like, dude, I'm, I don't have anywhere what to go. What do you want me to do? What do you want me? To, I got, yeah, that, that's all you need to say. I don't have anywhere to go. Just okay, but I might want to go to Canada someday because I can drive there. So that's awesome. Oh, Congratulations. Man. So anyway, that intro track is by Marcus over in Munich. This is um, what did he say? His band essentially just disappeared into the Alps to just jam. They took all their gear with them and wrote this little ditty that they are calling "What She Said." Love it. <laughs> That's, you know what, man? That and more cowbell are the two things that I wish never happened. Because you can't say anything without somebody going, That's what she said. Doesn't even matter what I even say. Doesn't, it has nothing to do with it. It's, and it's then, still funny, though. It's always funny. It's like a fart that's joke. That's the problem. And that's why it won't go away, because it works. It's like, for people that aren't funny, they've got one joke that kills every time. They've got it in their pocket. Not you, Marcus. Not you, Marcus. Yeah. We're not implying no. that you're not funny. <laughs> no, you are hilarious, but your groove is dead serious. That was fantastic. I love when we have songs. I mean, intro beats are fantastic, but songs makes it feel like a real live podcast. How are you doing, bud? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I, you know, we've had a little bit of an early spring here. Like it went from negative 15 degrees to 50, basically 50 degrees. Yeah. So that, I, I do watch the news, and wow, that is weird, quite a jump. Kind of weird. My my dogs thought they were going to die just walking around the neighborhood, but that is, that just kind of jilted me out of a little bit of a you know early onset winter blues to just start spring cleaning. So. I went from I yesterday, like this whole week, I've just been kind of just bummed for no reason, just tired and not wanting sure. to do anything. And, and I, every time I play the drums, I'm like, Ugh, I want to quit this instrument, which, you know, <laughs> so my usual, my usual state right. of mind. <laughs> but last night, just like, all right, it's, it's early spring. I'm going to clean my studio. I unplugged every single mic cable. I don't think I've done that in five, six years. So some of them were like, wow. whoa, this thing is dusty. <laughs> <laughs> When they don't bend anymore and you can't like roll them up, it's oh, like yeah. I might. I yeah. think I'm going to jump on Amazon real quick. But it was kind of cables. it was kind of symbolic because they had this spaghetti pile of cables that like they were all knotted up, and no matter what, I couldn't organize it. I'm like, you know what? I've got to undo all of this mess. <laughs> Just clear. It this feels all good out. when it's done, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I think all of that decluttering is so therapeutic because you know while you're doing it you're not just doing that you're also yeah. decluttering your mind and the the practice of decluttering anything whether it be your drum set or your recording setup or even your home it gives you time to reflect because there's nothing you can do except for sit there and try to work out how to get these cables out of a knot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And realizing like some of them were damaged and they were rattling and I knew they were rattling but I was just too lazy to pull them out of the right. out of the system and and i've also been wanting to do like a legit microphone shootout like what is the best inside kick mic that i have what is the best snare mm. top snare bottom mic i've just been lazy because everything's been working I'm like i don't want to right. deal with it but now i have to yeah. like all 16 mic cables are unplugged like i don't have a choice now it's time to 
actually do some work. <laughs> so let me ask you this. The kit you set up was one of your RBH kits, right? Yeah, I'm just finishing up a review on that now, so that was okay. the focus. I was yep. going to ask if, if, if that was a review thing or if that was... I, you know, I, I, it's such a weird thing that you do because you have access to all the greatest gear in the world, but it's not yours. It has to go back at some point in time. And so when you finally aren't reviewing anything, do you have what you would consider to be, okay, that's my home kit. If I'm just setting up drums to play drums mm-hmm. for myself with no reviews out of all your kits, what would you set up? Or does that change too? It changes, but I think if if push came to shove, it would be my 60s Ludwig with 12, 14, 20, because it's kind of middle ground. I can tune it high and get real kind of crazy, or I can tune it low and get kind of funky. So that would be it. It's like a 68 Ludwig kit. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's weird. When you mentioned 12, 14, 20, it almost reminds me of eight minutes after the last podcast, you sending me a $2,500 <laughs> bill for a new kit. Did you buy it? <laughs> no, uh, I almost did. Uh, Champagne the, Sparkle Gretsch Round Badge 60s. That's exactly what you wanted. You know the Perfect entire world started shape. sending me links, right? <laughs> they were like, here's one in Blue Sparkle. Here's one. So uh, I almost pulled the trigger on a on a Silver Sparkle. Uh-huh. And I just was like, okay, I really like this. And then there's, there was like a bright blue sparkle, same thing. Uh, and I was showing Amber these kits, my wife, and, and she goes, she goes, oh, I hate sparkle. And I'm like, well, just so you know, that's all they made in that like five-year <laughs> window. So I have no options. We just choose which color I get in the sparkle. Uh, so in that world, let me ask you this. Is it okay? It seems like it's really hard to find any drums in that era. And I don't know if it's just a Gretsch thing or if it's common with Ludwig, Slingerland. And, um, but it's really hard to find one where the rap isn't starting to come apart. Yeah, it's not going to be perfect. If you find a perfect okay. one, you're going to be spending fifteen grand for the thing. You know, you mean Amber will be. <laughs> I, mean, I won't be spending anything. <laughs> that's that's kind of the charm, I think, is there's going to be something funky about everything. Okay. At some point, someone's going to have replaced the throw off, and there's going to be a funky hole. Or okay, you know, I don't. And you just I, have to get used to it. Yeah, I think if, to find a perfect one. I mean, now you're getting into yeah. the collector's world, and, and not, no, and I don't, I don't want to be there, especially because I'm not at the place in my drumming where a vintage kit is definitely the sound if it was definitely the sound i would pull out all the stops i'd sell a bunch of gear and get the kit for the rest of my yeah. life but it's not that i mean it's more that i want i mean I, I love the appeal of it but i just like to have it so that i can even show the campers when they're here why don't we set up the 60s gretch today yeah it so would that be we good can to, hear how yeah, that records compare that with the broadcaster since that's kind of designed to be the same sound right. did you see that yeah. there's a, a slingerland black beauty that went on ebay like one of the original slingerland black beauty not ludwig but uh, similar kind of vibe fifteen thousand okay. dollars U.S. currency? $15,000. No. It's basically the drum it's, that A&F is like, that's their whole thing, is kind of getting that look, right. that vibe, brass hoops, the stressed nickel hard uh, finish. $15,000. Nope. It's no. on eBay right now. Go get it. Because <laughs> no. you know, you know what? Because what I'll do is I'll get it, I'll make a video of it, and you'll watch it on your phone on Instagram. <laughs> and, and it doesn't no one sound will be any like, better than anything else. <laughs> exactly. People will be like, dude, cool new snare, but have you checked out the Pearl Export 87? I'm like, no. I just spent 15 grand. I haven't eaten in a month. Uh, that's oh, awesome, man. man. Hey, that's so cool stuff. We're on the Ludwig tip. We have to talk about our, our buddy Carter making the switch. What do you think? That was huge. I think it's awesome. I think Carter... And that company really are, it's a perfect pairing because Carter's playing really vibes to me with Ludwig. So I think that that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I think he also knows how to get the most out of drums that have beautiful tone. Excuse me. And I think he's also a drummer that has a great mix of modern and vintage vibes in his playing. So he could play a 60s Ludwig. Awesome. He could play a brand new Ludwig maple kit. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And so I think the drums are a perfect match. But I also think Ludwig needs somebody right now. I don't know who is a Ludwig artist besides – I mean, Questlove is, but at the same time, that's this weird blend between celebrity and drumming. So I don't consider him to be like an active drumming artist for Ludwig. Uh, And then – you know, I know Dave Desenzo, but yeah. I don't. I think they need somebody that's very modern and 
looked at constantly, and I think Carter's the perfect artist for Ludwig, as I also think that Ludwig is the perfect drum company for him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they have so many artists, but not many that are kind of dialed into his world of, of social media and understand the aesthetic that's required for that kind of thing. Right. Uh, and I think it's also kind of bittersweet that Ron Danette was making the Ludwig stainless steel kits. So there is a connection there. I know Ron has a long history with Ludwig, so I'm sure he's glad that he went to Ludwig and not somewhere else. I'm sure right. still stung a little bit, but you know I know they're going to be good friends still. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at what, not what Carter did for Danette, because I think Ron's snares just, they just live on their own because of their excellence. But if you look at what Carter did for George Way, mm-hmm. I don't know how many of us would have really known or given them a chance without seeing this guy that, I, I mean, I saw Carter playing George Way before I was friends with Carter. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, who is that? And what are those drums? So he brought, he did so much good in his time there. So I think it, and it was just time for him um, to move forward. And I think it's awesome. So super stoked for Carter. And, uh, and I also thought it was extremely classy how he handled it on social media on his first post, which was all vintage ads from yeah, Ludwig. Right. That, <laughs> yeah, the history is important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, we've been saying that since the beginning of this podcast. Gretsch and, and Ludwig are the two companies right now that have so much, like uh, a century of history. Don't hide from it. I mean, it's okay to want to be modern and to be pushing forward, but also, man, the fact that you've you invented the things that everyone is doing right now, yeah. be proud of that and throw back to it. Yeah, I, so mean, I thought fact, that was really I cool. Mean, think of it: John Bonham, Joe Morello, Black Beauty, Superphonic. I mean, that kind of covers it all, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> really does. Really does. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was cool, and I, I was stoked also to see the fact that like. Carter didn't come out swinging on the most expensive Ludwig kit possible, the most expensive snare they've ever made with hand engraved mm-hmm. knurling. Like it was, hey, if you thought the Acrolyte was cheap, check out this thing. <laughs> yeah, the standard. And he- <laughs> <laughs> so it awesome. Good. <laughs> I know. What a punk. Oh, what a punk. Let's, Love it. Let's Con- shift over to, to what the heck is going on. It's 2019. I have a clinic coming up at the end of the month. It's the Delaware Drum Show. If any of you are in the Maryland, Pennsylvania, Delaware, D.C. area, Virginia. I'll be there. That's February 24th. Um, I just found out that I'm going to be performing early, like 11.30 a.m. So, But it's a it's kind of like a Chicago, like a mini Chicago drum show. A lot of vintage drums, awesome. uh, collector stuff, swap meet stuff, new stuff. So it's a day of buying some cool new, new old gear, and I'll be there doing my thing daniel glass will be there doing a gene krupa kind of analysis i think he's the one sing 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 like the whole the whole performance oh my gosh of course he is yeah so that'll be cool that's that's february 24th Uh, go to delawaredrum.com for more info Um, let me know if you're coming so i can uh, make sure to say what's up and you said you weren't going to be traveling but i just heard that you're going to be all over the freaking globe again what's going on yes so i'm not traveling in 2019 except for (laughs) a clinic tour in the uk uh, a clinic tour in south africa a week-long camp in greece Another camp in Ireland, and then a clinic tour in Singapore, and then some uh, individual dates in the U.S. All right. So no more traveling, <laughs> just those. I just got to knock those out, and then I'm good. When does it kick uh, off? Uh, I think the first trip is in March. So we're so Meinl is helping me with the U.K. trip. I'm assuming I'm going to Scotland because I know I just got my flights and I'm flying into Heathrow and I'm flying out of Edinburgh. Mm. So I can't imagine they're flying me to Scotland just to fly home. So I don't know the actual dates. I'll give you guys the dates as soon as I have them. Uh, But it's going to be all around the UK. Uh, so that'll be cool. And then uh, the South Africa thing, there's a South African magazine, uh, online magazine that's been bringing people over. They brought mm-hmm. J.P. Bouvet over. They're yep. bringing uh, uh, Quibus right now. And so I'll be going later. Uh, the nice. Greece thing is a camp that uh, I'll promote later when I have all the details. But it's going to be myself, Chris Coleman, Derek Roddy, and I don't know how to say his last name. Is it George Kalias, the oh, double yeah. bass monster wow. metal that's guy? going to be a lot of chops and volume there. Yeah, my job is explain stuff. I, I mean, you, the notes would have been played. Fast but and I don't loud, know if and then his yeah. mic. But there's this weird thing. I don't know if you've seen this camp. Um, I'll have to send you a link to it. But it's in Athens, Greece, but it's on 
like a dude ranch, like an American dude ranch. No, I don't know it, what you're talking about. I, I when I went to because okay in my head you have no idea I've been googling Athens Greece and I'm like oh yeah that's where I'll be and then I I go to their page and I was like uh, that's a that's a dude ranch and it's weird so I gotta I gotta get more details for you guys so I'll let you guys know about that. And then uh, the Ireland time, that'll be the 21 Drums Camp. Keith Carlock signed on again. So it's myself, nice. Mark Juliana, Ash Stone, and Keith Carlock. That, I believe, is sold out. And then uh, the Singapore trip is being planned right now. So lots of stuff coming up. Dig it. Hey, so what is this? I hear that you are, are a social media consultant now. Come on now. What's going on? Are you jumping the shark? definitely not. Yes. <laughs> Have you officially abandoned ship? <laughs> I checked out... All the drummers on Instagram, the professional ones, and no, and everyone got stopped at 112,000 followers. So I was like, okay, that's all the drummers that are in the world. I need a bigger market. No, uh, not at all. So I just wanted to explain this because it got a little out of hand. I, I've been doing these social media masterclasses here at my place for local business owners of not even Folsom, California, for historic Folsom. So literally the street that I'm on, hmm. uh, and that's it. And it, so I'm not doing social media classes. What it was was as somebody that's been here for 10 years – it means I've been a customer of these businesses for 10 years. And we have some amazing businesses here right now. And these are small shop owners, you know, like a lady, Naturific. She she makes her own tea and mm-hmm. and barbecue rub. And then we've got this small bakery. And, you know, and we've got amazing businesses. And I've just noticed that their social media is really bad. And they don't know what they're doing that's actually hurting their accounts. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was kind of scary because right now, I mean, this is the first time that all of us have free advertising but if you abuse it, you'll lose it. Um, you can abuse it and actually lose it legitimately where Instagram ghosts your account. But you could also lose it by not understanding that the only reason people followed you is because they wanted insight into your world. They don't want to be sold to. Uh, so what's even the number th- one mistake that everyone makes that you see? Definitely a misuse of hashtags because that's the only thing that can actually get you fully ghosted on Instagram. Really? Yeah. So the way it works uh, is when you post on Instagram – a bot is going to crawl your post and it's going to look for your hashtags and to see is that relevant to your post. Now, let's say that you put up one of your normal Dawson trip out vibes Mm -hmm. and in there you tagged, uh, I don't know, NASCAR because it's like one of the most widely used hashtags. (laughs) They'll crawl your video and and they'll recognize that they can't notice anything NASCAR or non-NASCAR so that then they'll move to the text and if you don't mention NASCAR, then they'll say, okay, this has nothing to do with NASCAR, and you used one of our most widely used things. You are clearly trying to abuse the system, and you get a little flag, get a couple more of those flags, and then they ghost your account. The ghosting sucks because what happens is Instagram does not warn you. They do not tell you. You just keep posting like normal. Everything's normal for you, but they will not show your posts to any of your followers. Good old private enterprise. <laughs> right. Well, and it, and it makes sense just because – that I mean, that's how it all started was people were trying to abuse the system. I mean, it's almost like hate to say this because I, I don't want to get in trouble with drummers that I really like and who have done some amazing, amazing things in their careers. But sometimes you look at somebody's YouTube following and you're like, wait, what? How hmm. many views do you have? And then it's like, oh, it's all covers of very famous songs. So these aren't drummers that are watching this. These are people that are fans of that band or of that song yeah. that found you. So if I do a a cover of Britney Spears in 2001, I'm going to get a lot of views for that because she's got 26 billion people that are looking for her song right now. So it's kind of the same on Instagram. They're saying like, look, don't use hashtags that aren't relative to your post. That's what started this whole thing was I saw a local place that uh, is a coffee shop. They make amazing coffee and tea, but they also serve food Well, they were hashtagging some of their food in their post and one of the ones they used was avocado toast now avocado toast is one of the most used hashtags on all of instagram and all of social media and there was and even though they offer it there was nothing in their post about it so the easiest way for all of you out there to know if you're misusing anything is when you start hashtagging your post that number that comes up on the side of the hashtag 168,000. that's how many times that hashtag has been used if that number is over 50,000. 
make sure that your post says that. Don't just use it. So if you type drums, mm-hmm. and drums has like two million hashtag posts, make sure you mention drums. You know, make sure there's a picture of a drum. So make sure it's relative you and know, relevant. It'd be nice if they would send out like a code of, of conduct instead of just ghosting your right. account. I mean, how do you know if, I mean, obviously a restaurant makes avocado toast. They're not trying to get, it's not someone selling perfume trying to get everyone who right. eats avocado toast. To- the problem is there's somebody that's selling perfume that's trying to leverage the system. And so I, I, I mean, it sucks, but it's, that, that was my vibe. I didn't charge any of the local businesses for this two hour class. Uh, and I'm doing 27 businesses and we're doing like eight or nine at a time. So I've, I have one more, I've done two of these now and it was all for free. There was no DVD to sell at the end or self help book. It was just like, look, I just want to help you not get in trouble. The other thing, and I'll say this, this is the last thing before we move on to some hand exercises, (laughs) do not form pods. That is really, bad what does Um, that mean so a pod would be you me carter and mark juliana are a pod and so instagram rewards your post by the interaction and and you have a 10 minute audition period as soon as you post on instagram you have 10 minutes that instagram is judging your post are we going to show this to mike dawson's followers or not depending on the interaction Mm. A comment under four words is not a comment, by the way, just so everybody knows. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, if you come get on, a, they've got to send out some of these guidelines. <laughs> they, they'd, well, <laughs> no. if you care, you know. That's why well, I know, you know all this stuff. And I, wanna, like, I mean, how I do you, know because I researched the hell out of it because my whole life is built on social media right now. <laughs> That's crazy. My career. I mean, you should probably go to Instagram.com and they would put like code of best practices document. You know? Yeah, they, they, it's, it's very every, every man, every woman for themselves. It's, so, it's so anyway, so a pod would be you, me, Carter, and Mark get together, and because we're friends, we say, okay, as soon as Dawson posts, the three of us are going to comment on it, so it immediately gets some traction. Well, what happens is Instagram will recognize, okay, that's the fourth time that Mike Johnston. Carter McLean and Mark Juliana commented first on Mike Dawson's post. He has clearly created a pod of friends to gain wow. traction. Ghosted. Wow. That's so insidious because what if I just <laughs> really like what you post every time you post it? Bro, I've told like three or four people, hey, can you wait like eight minutes before you comment on my post? Because you keep so insidious. You keep commenting so quick. So um <laughs> So, yeah, so those are things. And then just so you know, like I said, if somebody comments one word, it's not going to get you in trouble, but that's what a bot would do. If I went out and paid for followers, the bot would comment with very random things like uh, rad, great, thumbs up. So Instagram Mm -hmm. is looking for those and saying, okay, we don't count those as real comments because it's too general. And you could have said that about anything. It could have been my dog, Juno, and then you just said, awesome. So they're looking for four words or more. So if somebody does comment one word on my post, generally a good practice would be to ask them a question. Like, yeah. thanks so much. What have you been working on lately? And then they'll comment back with a full sentence, and then that gives you real traction. Easy pizza. See, I don't care. <laughs> I get it. I just don't well, care. I now, just I, if I was only I a- and that people see it, and if they like it, like it. <laughs> but you're also a person. That's why I was talking to business owners whose businesses are, you know, I would have loved to have the head or the higher ups at Modern Drummer that handle the social media for Modern Drummer that maybe don't know this stuff. They should have been at that meeting. Yeah. But if you're just a drummer posting, it does not matter. Like, don't worry about it. And do not let this stuff regulate your mood of the day. Mm. But for local business owners that I was seeing getting a little bit of trouble, I just wanted them to know what's going on and know <laughs> it, it was definitely not here's how to blow up on Instagram because that wouldn't help them anyways. They're local businesses. They yeah. just need the local community to know who they are. So I couldn't care less about here's how to get 5,000 followers in a day. Like, whatever. That does, that mm. does nothing. Uh, the, the big thing is knowing what not to do, knowing the current algorithms, which will change. Everything I just told you will probably change in six months. Right. <laughs> so then in six months, I'll tell you more. So like you said, let's talk about hand exercises for accuracy with Bill Bachman. Gosh, we're only 23 minutes in. Let's get into some drums, huh? <laughs> Come on now. All right. So we are actually. You learned something today. Well, I mean, I, I kind of knew all that. But, you, you know, all the reports are Instagram doesn't ghost. Instagram doesn't do any of this kind of stuff. They, yeah. It's like, just do. come out and say you do and then tell us what not to do and we won't do it. 
you know? Don't don't assume <laughs> right. everyone is just an ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm gonna write that letter to Instagram. <laughs> I mean for real. Just tell me what to do. I feel like I'll you're assuming it. that I'm an ass. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> and we wonder why everyone is skeptical of big business. <laughs> I don't think we do. I think we actually know exactly why. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's the, talk about this. This is stuff you work on. Yeah, we're cracking open the March issue for the for the first time. It's just out. It's the one with Dennis on the cover. We'll get to him in a bit. But there's an article in here by Bill Bachman, the great technique master um, and my personal guru for this stuff. He calls it eights and sixes, and it's uh, exercises to develop rhythmic accuracy, most notably with the transition between eighth notes and sextuplets. And for me, this has been something I just realized how little control I actually have of sextuplets. I kind of, whenever I get into sextuplets, I just kind of let them go and, and hoping that I'm controlling them. And it's been okay. okay. But I realized I, I just slightly rushed them because for me, I lose track of the eighth note subdivision in the middle of them. If you're, uh, not, if you're not accenting. If I'm accenting, fine. If I'm just playing sure. sextuplets... I lose track of that offbeat eighth note, and therefore everything starts to rush. So what Bill's first exercise is to do four eighth notes with the right, and then two sextuplets starting with the left, four eighth notes with the left, two sextuplets starting with the right. So it keeps going back and forth. And then you do a whole measure of eighth notes with the right, a whole measure of sextuplets starting with the left. So it just keeps going back and forth, hand to hand, <clears throat> but it's reinforcing that eighth note subdivision, which has been crucial for me to like count the eighth note out loud through the sex supplement. So you don't just do one and two and I hope I make it, I hope I make it one and two and hope I make it, I hope I make it one. Two. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right, count right. One and two and one and two and one and two and one and and for me, really zeroing in on that eighth note offbeat, is it actually aligning with the click? It's hard to hear. I yeah, to slow well, way, now the other down. thing is I think most of us that have practiced our subdivisions whatsoever would have no problem with this exercise if he just accented all the eighth notes on this on the sextuplets. Yeah. Because that's that's how we generally feel these. If you just let your random drummer on a pad and say, Hey, just play sixteenth note triplets or sextuplets for me, you'll start to hear groups of three. And then to even just take out that second accent. Yeah, that you middle still, note. You start to feel a little wobbly. Yeah, it gets fishy. You know, it gets fishy because it alternates hands. It gets hands. fishy, <laughs> right? And then if you take out all the accents, dot 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 dot, even in my mouth, I'm going or with my voice, going It's tough with my mouth. Whatever, I'm done. Oh, by the way, before just so you know, we mailed it in last week. That was a bullcrap episode. You and I were like, Nam was cool. Let's stretch that out for an hour. All right, back to the exercise. Just want to call ourselves out. We mailed it in. I feel like we're doing better this time. Well, I mean, you got to give ourselves a couple freaking audibles. (laughs) That was a freebie. (laughs) Okay, where are we at? So, yeah. That is the <laughs> that's the first example. <laughs> yes. All right. And then he just so starts now we adding get into number accents. Two. So he accents all the eighth notes and just the first of the sextuplets. Again, not accenting that middle triplet of the sextuplet is important for me because that's the that's the most challenging one. So if he went right into accenting the ands, I think I would be able to kind of fake it. So it's for right. me the whole thing is can I control six subdivisions in one quarter note with complete accuracy. So, I mean, I think our, our instinct is a sex topic. We should play these fast, but I mean, I'm playing these at like 50 BPM and like counting yeah. out loud and making sure that when I say, and my left or right hand hits in perfect unison with it. Sure. That's the hard part. Yeah. I think feeling a pulse in anything, Longer than maybe even I don't know even eighth notes when you have no pulse and no accent, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it, it, you can start to wobble with your time and and this is an important thing. I mean, for any of you that are maybe in your first five to ten years of drumming, sit down on a pad right now and start playing paradiddles and then get rid of that first accent yeah. on the pair. And you will be you'll be like I don't know paradiddles because yep. you're so relying on that. And same with sixteenth note triplets. We we really feel sixteenth note triplets as eighth notes because we're always going uh uh yeah. Uh, but uh, we uh. rush, we crush the spacing of the triplets because they're supposed to be faster. We don't realize that we're Agreed. crushing it. 
Yeah, so agreed. we're just always always rushing. I don't think I've heard any drummer who's not aware of it that doesn't rush sextuplets. Yeah. I mean it's just it's just a natural tendency for whatever right. reason. So anyway, the rest of the exercise he's just adding different accents. So I recommend everyone check it out. If if you're a more advanced player, you might see this and be like, ah, that's that's easy. I can just kind of sight read it. But when I started really digging in, taking it super duper slow, it was a blind spot that I had never addressed. I knew it was always there, but I just kind of trusted that my instincts would land on the one. I would get there. And right. now I'm really dissecting it, and I can really hear the difference. And I'm rushing every single time. It almost feels like I have to like push the brakes when I should be going faster. It's like an opposite instinct. Right. No, I, I agree. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to practicing this stuff later today. So, yeah, check out the article. It's in the current issue of Modern Drummer. Uh, it's in the Strictly Technique section, and it's called Eights and Sixes Part 1 by Bill Bachman. And you can, I mean, you could take it even further. You could add your own accent schemes, but that's that's where I'm hesitant. Like, don't try to make it more difficult. Just live with it and really absorb it. You couldn't it. have said that like before I did the whole wrap-up thing? Like, Strictly Techniques, Eights and Sixes by Bill Bachman. Okay, let's Done. talk about Dennis Chambers. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Dennis Chambers. I want to talk about the mid-show promo with Focusrite. No, we're talking about Dennis Chambers. Dog, I just completely left that out. Alright, cut all that out. <laughs> Dennis isn't even on my rundown. <laughs> The main part of our entire podcast is not on my rundown. Oh, all right. This episode is brought to you by Focus, right? <laughs> all right. Should I all go right. into Here it? Here we go. <laughs> uh, ready? Three, two, one. Uh, all right. Now let's talk about the cover artist of the current issue of Modern Drummer. This is Dennis Chambers. I know this has got to be special for you because you grew up and uh, idolized this guy. Yeah, he was my hero. Um, I didn't even realize he was from Maryland until after I became aware of him via Modern Drummer and the Buddy Rich uh, memorial concerts and his own instructional videos. Once I saw those, I was like, oh, this dude's from Baltimore. And then I realized, oh, that's why he plays in Maryland all the time. And I just started following him around. He did a Remember, I don't know if Mars Music existed in California. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, a, we didn't have it here, but I was doing clinic tours by then, so I'd see Okay. Them. Yeah, he did a big clinic at a Mars Music that was nearby. He did – the coolest thing was he did a um, – it was sort of like a before camps were a thing. It was like a jazz festival, and in the, in, in the afternoon, the featured artists would do like three, four-hour master classes, workshops. Oh, so wow. it was like up in the Sugarloaf Mountains and, and – this like campsite and i got to go in the like a little barracks and take up basically a workshop with dennis chambers which was insane wow. to hear his drums no microphones 10 feet away and realize all that sound that you're hearing on serious moves and the buddy rich you think it's all the microphones and the compression his body was producing it it sounded yeah. exactly like that it was insane yeah man he's 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 definitely I was thinking about him today, knowing that we were going to be covering him, and I was trying to think, like, where do I put him as far as what does he mean to our community? And I realized that he is in a very, very select group of current, modern, living drummers that all other drummers get childish and kitty around. Like, because mm -hmm. I, I did a festival with him in Spain, and... We all sat down when he wasn't around on his kit and took selfies on Dennis's kit. <laughs> yeah, right. We didn't go to anyone else's kit and do that. There were 10 kits there. But we did that. And then when he finally got there, all the, you know, these are like the top pro drummers in the world. And they're all whispering like, Dennis is here. Dennis just got here. Dennis just got here. And then we all run out. What was the best was even though we were on the festival ourselves as drummers, Instead of watching him from backstage, almost all of us went out to the crowd and watched him from the crowd because we were reminded like of what it was like to be a kid. And, and it's like the distance between all of us and Dennis is still like yeah. us being kids and watching a regular <laughs> clinician. So we all went out to the crowd and grabbed our seats and just soaked it in. And it, it's, it was incredible to watch him play. And, and then, you know, throughout his show and throughout his soloing and stuff, we would then go backstage for a little bit. And you're right from the side of the stage, there wasn't a whole lot of difference sound-wise than there was out in the crowd. I mean, yeah. he's just so incredibly powerful. Yeah, and clean and, and articulate. And I think for, for me, he he embodies, like, he's cool. Like, he has the credibility of the coolest drummers ever. I mean, he was in P-Funk. I mean, how cool can it get? Right. Yeah. He's 
beast so he's got the you know all the the musos like worship his abilities so it's like right. he's got the best of of everything and there's, I, don't, I don't know of many drummers i think of like tony williams how many drummers can say they that the the cool kids like them and the nerds like them too like yeah that's a right. rare combination um, so for me he was he was the archetype like that's what i want to be i want to i want to make cool music that regular people like <laughs> and, regular and, I, people. and also want all the music school nerds to be into what i'm doing as well like high sure. art and high academia uh, i think he's a rare fried i can't think of many tony Vinny to agree but i think Vinny is getting a little bit esoteric as as a person sure. i don't think he embodies just like a cool dude like dennis is just cool right um, so yeah so he's he has been my my number one hero since gosh sixth grade now have you had a chance to see him uh with his current thing with victor they played at PASIC. They kind of closed the whole thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was the, cool. the Victor Wooten trio, which is what the bulk of what his cover story is about is his transition. I mean, first of all, the dude almost died. I mean, we were like right. literally thinking, do we need to prepare uh, in memoriam for this guy when he because wow. he was in the hospital in a coma for, gosh, a long time. Weeks, I want to say. So we all were like, Man. is this guy going to? gonna make it and we don't what's happening right wow so that you know as a result he could no longer do the santana gig anymore so then getting his strength back and now he's back to just killing it in the fusion scene with victor wooten i mean killing it's amazing (laughs) i i I saw him uh i went and saw him play at yoshi's with victor and i'd never seen victor concentrate so hard yeah you know what I mean? Like, I mean, Victor had to, <clears throat> he was tapping his foot. He yeah. was like, okay. And that's Dennis is the king of that, that, that displacement that's not. He doesn't get the credit that he deserves for that. Oh, I mean, man. he might be the best in the world He can that. flip it, but it's so natural. Like, you think of the right. people who, who are known for it. You, when they go into it, like, oh, yeah, he's on a modulation. He's obviously going for something. It's just part of the way Dennis plays. Even when he plays like a, like a funk groove. He's going to be hitting the snare on one and three at some point. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> It's, it, it was really cool to see, and I mean, I, I put Victor up there uh, very high, not as a bass player, but as a musician. I just really look up to him. I think he has a great spirit, a great vibe, but I also think he's insanely talented. I mean, his whole family is, but seeing him geek out on his drummers playing, that's that's yeah. almost more fun than watching Dennis play. I want to see Victor's reaction to Dennis's <laughs> playing, and uh, and it, it was it was really impressive. And I love drummers that were legends in the seventies, then the eighties, then the nineties. But then if you go see them now, you're not seeing the watered down version of them. You're seeing them; they're still at their peak because that gives all of us hope that okay, I'm not past my prime. My prime is tomorrow, and then it'll be the next day, and then it'll be the next day. I, yeah. I just have to keep trying to get better at this instrument. But unlike a sport, I didn't miss my opportunity at this thing. Yeah, that's true. And I think for me seeing, I mean, there was a peak when everyone sounded like Dennis, and I was kind of looking at Dennis like, okay, well, the world is ready to surpass him. Like, we've all absorbed right. Dennis's stuff, and you're hearing it in every kind of modern, quote-unquote, drummer's vocabulary. They're, I think next to... I mean, Weckle and Vinny, I think Dennis is probably the most copied drummer of all time currently. Um, To the point now where we think, you know, people who are obsessing over Chris Coleman don't even realize that they're getting stuff from Dennis. Like, it's like six generations removed at this point or something. Right. Um, But so I I had a point where I was thinking, okay, maybe Dennis is done. Maybe he's hit his peak and now he's just going to chill and, you know, play with Santana. And then we see what happened where he literally had to, had to, survive and then he could have just retired and said all right i'm I'm done with drums i need to just be you know alive (laughs) but right no he brought it all back and he's got the same i think the thing with dennis it's a little different than some of the other super chops guys because a lot of that is physical 
Dennis, it's, there's so much of his conceptual as well. Like, yes, he still yeah. can rip singles, but like we said, his metric modulation stuff, that's conceptual. Yeah, and, and it's also, I mean, just that internal clock that I'm, I know he's not counting until the phrase resolves. I mean, mm-hmm. he he just knows where he is inside that stuff. And there's such a difference between doing implied metric modulation, but it's already mapped out. You know exactly what you're playing. Mm-hmm. You know where it all lands. And, and it's literally a shtick. Like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. He just goes into those modulations and plays drums. Yeah, exactly. And phrases and he, freely over it. <laughs> and that's when I see, exactly, and that's when I see Victor just start bobbing his head in massive quarter note pulses of like, don't get lost, don't get lost, don't get lost. Do not listen to Dennis. Never listen to Dennis. And one. And then there's a magical crash and a low bass note, and then they both smile. And it's like, damn. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really incredible to watch him do his thing. Uh, and, and just like you said, he has that cool thing where I don't know, man. He just attacks the drums in, in a yeah. way that it's it's really hard. I mean, when you see Dennis Chambers, and I hope all of you get a chance to see him play drums, but when you do and you actually see it in person, not just on a video, that's when it just comes raining down on you how many of your current heroes were clearly influenced by Dennis Chambers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a time. When when the Dave Matthews Band first came out, I mean, how long ago was that? And people were uh, asking, yeah. people were asking Dennis, you know, you you must like Carter Beaufort's drumming because you sound right. a lot like him. <laughs> I mean, oh it God. goes back that far. Could you imagine? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what we were doing in P Funk. We were checking out the Dave Matthews Band's rehearsals before they got their uh, deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of done it all. But that's the thing is. You think back to P-Funk and you go, okay, pocket player, one of the greatest pocket players in the world, gave us the drum set version of Go-Go Beats that was Mm. always split up between percussion and drum set. Dennis gives us that. And it's like, well, I guess that's what he does. Then he comes out with serious moves and then all the fusion stuff, stuff, and we go, okay, uh, I guess that's clear. Why would he go back from that? Then all of a sudden he's in Santana, and then for a long time. Yeah, and now he's back with, now he's uh, back doing the fusion thing. So he's just, he's one of those rare guys that can do it all and does it all really well, and and he's still doing it. So definitely check out Dennis. And from the OCD nerd in me and the, the, person that appreciates uh i guess graphic design that cover is awesome you guys crushed it with that uh (laughs) seriously i mean it just it just looks great and you don't you don't want to take a legend and not do them any favors you know what i mean like just kind of wreck their cover story like that is a cover that if i was dennis I would be calling you guys going like, yeah, can you send it without a barcode on it so I can get it framed? Yeah, right. And I love that he's, that's he's still rocking the the plain black hat. I mean, he's been rocking that totally. thing for 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> not he brought it in style and he wore it when it was out of style and now he brought it back, but he never changed. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, and, and it's good to see him healthy too. When I saw him in Spain, yeah. he was he looked like he was doing well. And then I saw him uh, maybe six months later with Victor and he looked like he was doing great. So, so I, really cool I urge stuff. everyone, if you haven't checked out his original educational videos, Serious Moves and In the Pocket, I mean, they came out, I think, in the late 80s, maybe, maybe early 90s. Those things still hold up. Again, it's a testament to just how cool he is that mm. it still it doesn't look like a dated eighties drum instructional video. It doesn't sound like it has planned. It's he has Schofield's band, like the actual band that he toured with. Right. I think the the versions of the songs they play on those two videos is better than the versions that are on the records. So that's yeah, my there's that's definitely my favorite Dennis stuff is that serious moves in the pocket era. I yeah. think it's all available reissued but yeah it's so funny because obviously music has hits and hit singles and stuff that if you put on beat it by michael jackson everyone in the room knows what it is but if you put on something from that videotape (laughs) right every drummer in the room is like oh yeah i've heard this song a million times where'd you hear it it sure as heck wasn't on the radio it's like oh my gosh we all watched that video so many times that this became a hit for us so uh pretty cool stuff
dig it. Now it's time to uh, thank our sponsor, Focusrite. They want they sent a um, Claret USB. It's the eight-channel interface, so it's the new audio interface that's USB. So if you're a Mac user or a PC user, you can utilize it. It has eight microphone inputs. It is what's the price on this thing? That's what's kind of crazy. It's it's eight hundred and sixty eight hundred and seventy dollars for this interface, but you get wow. eight really clean, high performance mic pre's. You cannot buy a, a standalone mic pre for a hundred dollars. That's going to have this type of sound. If you're looking to set up a studio at home, I highly recommend this piece. Um, you can expand it. You can. It has ADAT inputs and outputs. So if you want to expand it with an external eight channel digital mic pre like their Octopre, you could do that easily and get up to 16 channels or even more it's got midi in and out which is great if you have an, a, a like an e-drum kit and you just you want to control software with it you just plug your e-drum kit into that um, it's got multiple outputs it's really a nice professional quality interface at a really really affordable price it is the claret 8p usb audio interface definitely check and it you, out you can control it with their app too right yeah the app is super clean there's a there's I mean, the software that, that goes onto your main computer is great for controlling the balance for headphone mixes and stuff, but the app is also really clean and easy to use. It also comes with their Red Series EQ and compression, which is legendary. That's the stuff that Chris Lord Alge uses on almost every mix and a bunch of other stuff. So it's certainly worth it. Yeah, super important. The, the app is really important for drummers that are... 20 feet away from where yeah. their computer station is and sometimes you don't want to have to record go find out that it was clipping go record again find out it was still clipping it's nice to be able to do it straight from your phone or from your tablet so good stuff but go to uh, focusrite.com you can check it out there they also they made a bunch of nice video tutorials on just how to record drums so if you just want a primer on the basics of mic placement and all of that that's there you don't have to have their gear to to get use out of that but yes the claret 8 pre usb audio interface check it out nice all right so let's get into some gear this is something now was this your pick of the week last week we didn't do pick or of the week just, last week i know i remember <laughs> we mailed it in we didn't do anything okay so but i think you mentioned this at some point last week is it maybe yeah, as one of the standouts from now yeah different company similar so yeah there's definitely oh, okay. a trend where Almost everybody at this point has a low volume symbol, which essentially means they drill a ton of tiny little holes in it. The one that we reviewed this month is by a company called Aegean, and it's the R series low volume symbols. Um, these are different. I think everyone is is you know because Zildjian did it first, and they were designed primarily for practicing, so minimal sound. There's still some some tone, but really quiet i mean i use them teaching in a tiny little room with no with no uh, soundproofing and students can wail on those and it doesn't get too loud i think everyone's response was to that was okay well can we do a version of that you can actually like take out and use if you needed to and so that's what a aegean's version is they are um they're, they're high quality i think they're b20 bronze Wow. So they have like real simple yeah. tones just with very little output, which was kind of interesting. Nice. Well, before we talk more about them, let's give them a listen.
My first impressions are that I really like the ride. I think the crashes sound really good. It, it's always really hard to know what these things are doing in a recording because yeah. everything gets equalized or, you know, com- not compressed, but kind of compressed normalized, as far as. Yeah. In, yeah, normalized, where I don't know what it is relative to the sound in the room. But I will say that I always feel like the hi-hats on these things are always kind of weird. I don't know why, but it's always the one symbol, no matter what company makes it, that kind of bugs me. Yeah. This one is actually pretty close to a normal-sounding set of hi-hats, but really the ride and the crashes actually sound fantastic. Yeah, I mean, in the video, if you go to com, you can see I'm wailing on these things. And yeah. they're just they have a ceiling where they just don't get certain to a certain point which yeah. is i think great and i'm using i have like the big fat snare drum tortillas on the drum so the, the kit is really muted down but i'm i'm hitting like full full volume um, and i didn't feel like i was wishing for like more tone volume they're limited but the tone is kind of there Okay, well, let me ask you this. <clears throat> Since you actually physically got to play these, do you see these as practice symbols, or do you see these as quiet symbols that you would actually use on a gig? I think both. I think if if you practice in at home, you want to have your actual kit set up. You don't want to have a silent kit. But, I mean, okay. if you're in a bedroom, and symbols are going to be the thing that, that really kills you. So I think these would be good for you want to have your kit set up at home, but you just don't want to have... China symbols smashing around in a, in a right, bedroom. Sure. So they, they didn't feel, they felt like symbols. They played like symbols. They just didn't crush my ears. And I would also take them out on acoustic gigs um, and maybe even some recording. Again, I was able to crank the level of the drums more because the symbols weren't bleeding into every single mic. Gotcha. Uh, the hi hats, yeah, you're I mean, right. I mean, they have a certain kind of digital kind of compression, eight like an 8 right. bit kind of a vibe to them. Which is funky and cool. I mean, I, was, I wouldn't take them to a bebop gig or something like that. Right. But they they all do. I mean, I haven't heard one yet that doesn't. So yeah. I was expecting that already. Um, but they did sound like, okay, I could actually use these on a gig. I mean, for a 14-inch set of hi-hats, 16-inch crash, and a 20-inch ride, you can get them on Amazon for about 650 bucks. So these are not just janky practice symbols. I mean, I, I would get these if i was considering like man i've been really struggling getting my symbols quieter at the gigs yeah and i don't want to put gaff tape all over everything then you know this is at a price point where you probably want to actually use these and then the bonus to me would be the fact that i could then take them home play at home and not bother everybody so much yeah i think yeah if you play like church services or like community mm-hmm. theater or something where you just feel handcuffed with the symbols like you just can't possibly right. you don't want to use rods and brushes on everything these are a nice alternative. I was originally skeptical, thinking they would like, you know, they were an excuse for you to have bad touch. But there is there's situations where I think any normal symbol is just going to be too much, unless you yeah. compromise it with tape or cloth or something. It'd be cool to put these on an e kit too, have an electric drum set, yeah. and then have these as your symbols. And maybe then that thing that I always hear in the hi hats would actually mix even better with yeah, the kit true. that you're playing so yeah. um, very cool stuff so check out Aegean Symbols like I said you can actually get these on Amazon uh, so if you can't find them at a local dealer uh, you can also go to Aegean's website as well and these are the Aegean R series low volume symbols alright let's get into some listener questions alright let's see our first one is from Dave I uh, says I, I'm in a cover band that plays an extremely varied mix of music, everything, everything from 80s to grunge to metal and sometimes funk. In live situations, I would like to vary the sound of my drums according to each song. In addition to adjusting my dynamics and what I actually play, do you have any advice on how to change drum sounds quickly? Uh, the most I do is quickly change muffling on my snare, but I can't imagine switching to different beaters or things like that or changing out cymbals. So his goal is to sound authentic for each song. Um, So curious of our thoughts. Man, I mean, one thing you have to do is to sound authentic from song to song, you almost have to get generic with your sound so that you become the sound. Yeah. If you, you know, if you have a 22 inch Megabell ride and then you're going into a John Mayer tune, it doesn't matter how you play it. It's going to sound like that. So I would actually have a set of symbols that was extremely flexible and, and, quote-unquote generic sounding so that you can become the sound um and then after that i mean i think just getting the big fat snare drum stuff for your drums Mm -hmm. and they make that stuff for your toms too right yeah yeah exactly yeah Yeah. i mean i think 
taking a, a cue out of like the Steve Gadd, Josh Freese playbook. They use the exact same kit pretty much on everything, but they play so many different genres and they sound completely authentic. They know the music. That's the first important thing. They know the vocabulary. They know the proper dynamics and the touch. But their drum sound is, is just their drum sound. They sound like all-purpose drums. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, if you want to get really kind of crazy, you could take a couple different snare drums have something that's super gushy, super high and cracking, and something that's in the middle, and then adjust accordingly. But that's kind of crazy. I mean, you need a drum tech to really pull that type of thing off. I think cloth and tape and dampeners is going to be the way to go. I, I, I know that if I was at a wedding and and there was a band there and they they were playing a Billy Idol tune, and then they went from that to something completely different, like a, a Bob Marley tune. I wouldn't whip my head around because the rack tom was tuned too low for my liking. Yeah, exactly. You know, I would whip my head around. I'm like, that guy clearly cannot play reggae. <laughs> but it, it wouldn't be his drums that would throw me off. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> think like Gad, think like Josh Freese, and worry about yeah. what you're playing and not the sound of it. I think that'll get agreed. You All right, next one is from Adam. My question is, what do you consider a drummer's fundamentals? I'm an engineer by trade, and my career is varied from car mechanic to seismic data observing and interpolation. All right. My engineering fundamentals gave me the skill base to be competent in other industries not related to my original craft. So I want to be a working drummer, but my playing abilities aren't there yet. What core skills would you work on in my position? That's a great perspective and a great question. Absolutely. And that way you don't get too obsessed with something that's fad driven, but you just learn how to play the instrument properly and then you can morph with the fads. Yeah. So my thoughts on what would be the fundamentals, it would be knowing a bunch of different styles, which would be the grooves, the fills, forget about it. You need to know completely agree the grooves for a bunch of different styles and the sounds that are associated with those grooves. And then just basic sticking i think if you can play singles and doubles and and buzzes then with control away from the kit sticking and timing is the key yeah because and then the long-term thing that you're not going to be able to grasp right away but is get on a lifelong search for what groove is because if you can make something groove, it doesn't matter whether it's a fill or a groove. You know, I mean, groove and beat are the same thing for us. But does it groove? That will change everything. Because you could play all the right notes, but if it doesn't groove, it really doesn't matter. And so you have to internalize what that is, and that takes time. But that's like the overall goal of the fundamentals is, okay, now you can play the succession of rights, lefts, and kicks. Can you make it groove? Can you make it feel good? Does it have a pulse to it? Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with Mike. I'd say learn a ton of different styles and learn the grooves and be flexible in those grooves. But I, I, I notice a lot of times when I teach Afro-Cuban stuff, the first question I get is, what is a good fill for that? And I'm like, dude, you're already, yeah. it's already over. No, yeah. That don't worry about it. <laughs> Never. Uh, think like that. a timbali player. glat <laughs> done. That's my chop. But um, so yeah, so I, I think making it feel good is important. And then and then get the sticking thing is so overlooked because I think people go uh, what paradiddles and it's like no like sticking gets you out of trouble, man. Sticking yeah. is your get out of jail free card. Every time something goes wrong. Sticking is what bails you out. Yeah, I mean, I, I never forget something that Jack DeJohnette said. It's just I, my entire vocabulary is just combinations of singles and doubles, and I want to be able to just seamlessly transition between singles and doubles at any combination at any placement, and that's that's all that's I'm it. trying to do. That sounds it's an oversimplification of what he's actually playing, but I think having the mentality of that's all it is, it's just now I have to be creative with it kind of eliminates the need for like practicing a hundred different combinations of stickings right. and mastering yeah. you know a measure long sticking pattern well and especially if his goal is to become a gigging drummer 
you have to know that your goal is to make things feel good. Everyone that stands in front of the drum set but is on stage with you has a bigger ego than you do. And all they want is to sound awesome on their <laughs> instrument. So if you can make the bass player sound awesome and the guitarist sound awesome and the singer sound awesome, they're going to be very happy. At no point does the singer say in his head, this is cool, but I wish the drummer was ripping more. That never happens. <laughs> They just want it to feel good. So make it feel good and you'll be fine, buddy. All right, one more question. This is from um, another Adam. It's the same Adam? Maybe. maybe. Um, I'm wondering if... Uh, I'm wondering if Dawson, me, has an insider scoop on how Nate Smith got the sounds for his drums on his Pocket Change album, which, if those of you haven't heard that, that's an all-drums, all-improvised, kind of breakbeats kind of a record. Says, I know Nate generally plays Ludwig and Zildjian, uh, but there are such incredible tones on the album. I'm wondering if maybe we had asked him about how he did that. Uh, no, we didn't ask him, but I've listened to that record a bunch, and I don't have any confirmation on this, but I've a sneaking suspicion that he manipulated the speed either of the actual tape that he recorded onto or the virtual tape that he recorded onto. Some mm. of the really big, deep-sounding tracks pretty sure they pitched them down and some of the faster kind of like jungle sounding things i'm pretty sure they pitched them up you can tell by the symbols when the symbols sound like in slow motion right to me means okay they pitched the drums down a little bit or they pitched the hard one to fake if it sounds like he's playing like 10 inch hi-hats because i think he played the same kit on the entire thing gotcha so that's the only thing i my my hypothesis is some of it is manipulated like pitched up pitched down kind of stuff which is cool why not go for it do whatever you need to do to get something cool and yeah vibe-y. i mean it's it, especially when you're not you're not trying to cheat the system you're you're using the system to to yeah. expand your art so i think that's great thanks guys so much for your questions keep sending those in you can send them text uh via md info at modern drummer.com or you can send them you can use that same email link and then send us your audio questions you can talk to us that a lot of times we can understand you better when you're speaking to us because you're able to really express yourself properly. So feel free to always send us audio questions. Now it is time for the pick of the week. And it is mine is not about cameras. It's not about watches. It's not, not about social media. It better not be about Instagram. I'm about to close down my freaking Instagram account. <laughs> oh, man. We'll, we'll talk later. Okay, so... It is not about any of those things. This has definitely been one of your pick of the weeks in the past, but I want to bring it back because it is something that I used to play to all the time, which is Steve Reich's Music for 18 Musicians. I think if anyone out there is dabbling in the world of odd groupings, this gives you just the coolest bed of things to chase. You will hear these odd groupings going bada bada do bada do bada do bada do bada do bada, and you just chase it. And it's almost like jazz comping with odd groupings. I love this stuff now, but I, I'm pretty sure that exact album has been one of your picks in the past. Do you know? Maybe. I mean, I've certainly talked about it before, but I don't okay. remember. Yeah. So, uh, so my other pick. Is I have two, and the other one is from 2005, and it's an album called You Are, and it's by Steve Reich as well, and it's R-E-I-C-H. The reason why I'm picking two is because Steve Reich puts out a lot of conceptual art through CDs, and I don't want you to go looking for it, and you and you just and you see one that says drum set, and you're like, I'll do that one. Yeah, Uh, clapping, (laughs) I'll do that one. Like I'm trying to help you out here. These are two that are just the coolest drumless tracks you could ever play to mm-hmm. uh you are involves like a, a choir and, and um uh, some other instrumentation but it's all drumless so it's very rhythmic there's even though there's no click track there's a heavy pulse there's no percussion at all but there's a heavy pulse that you can follow but all the groupings keep going over the bar line mm-hmm. so it's a really cool meditative practice when you play along to steve reich stuff that reminds me i don't know if, if this would have been a couple years ago there was an app i don't know if it still exists it was called drops You've seen that app? Mm, no. Um, I think it's just iPad only, but you, it's, okay. you, you know, just drops come down your screen in a, just like an old Atari game. And you put, okay. you put little barriers that bounce the drops around the screen. And each time it hits something, it's a different pitch. Wow. So then if, you know, over time, it, it kind of becomes like the Steve Wright's thing where it's this layer of rhythm starts to develop and the, the time mm. signature is kind of 
nebulous, but it's repetitive. So it becomes this cycle of rhythm that is not a 4-4 unless you just accidentally created something that isn't 4-4. Wow. And that was something I would just put on just to listen to. I would just put a bunch of these little bouncy things on the screen, and then the drops would bounce around. It would create this kind of like clapping music kind of atmosphere. Wow. Super cool. I love it. still exists. I'll check it out for sure. Yeah, I mean... So really, if it does still exist, you got a bonus pick of the week. That's yes, right. So we're going to have four <laughs> pick of the weeks. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of picks. All right. What is your pick of the week, sir? My pick of the week is not nearly that exciting, but in a different way, it's super cool. This might have been a pick of the week before, but I have to mention it again. Ultimate Ears Sound Tap, which is a little box that's designed for you to plug your in-ears or your headphones into, but you can interface your monitor to this. So if you're on a gig... Instead of having a wedge on on the stage, you can take a cable from the singer's monitor, run it into the sound tap, and then run a cable from the sound tap back to the monitor. So you don't you're not disrupting the monitor mix. Oh. But then you can have your own in ear setup based on just the band's general gigging monitor system. You don't have to have a separate line or anything. So that's super cool. So for me, playing a lot of these gigs where we're kind of cramped on a little stage, there's not room for a drum monitor, so I'm having to like rely on the singer's monitor to get my mix. I can just plug this thing into the whole system and put one in-ear in or both, just depending on what I need to do. That's, Very cool. And it's only a couple hundred bucks. It's, it's really neat. The UE Sound Tap uh, by Ultimate Ears. And does it have one in or two ins? It's just the mono in from the okay. so you just basically you just instead of running the cable to a wedge you run the cable to right. this thing and then you can still daisy chain back to the to the rest right. of the system. But unlike a wedge where you have to ask the sound guy to turn it up, this you control your yeah. own volume. It's, it's got one. It's got two knobs. It's got the input gain and then it's got your headphone level. Now one thing I forgot to mention, it also has a limiter in it, which. It's not just a limiter that crushes the sound if it gets too loud and makes it distorted. It turns the sound off. So if some feedback or something comes in that would make you go deaf, it it silences, which is really nice. If you hit the kick drum too hard and it just would be overdriving the thing, instead of it just blowing out your ears, it just turns it off for like a millisecond. That's great. Love it. Yeah, you guys can find that at pro.ultimateears.com. Check it out. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And obviously, based off of that 20-minute interlude, I do not teach social media. And I'm not about to. <laughs> God, so you had to me bring it up again. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, there's no getting away from it. It is part of our lives, and uh, we get to decide how much of a part it is. So that's good. That's good news for all of us. I can tell you that no matter what is going on in that world, you practicing is more important. Yeah, right. Hey, and how about Every time. our outro beat is by Big Al, who we got to meet at NAMM. We how got to cool meet him in person. <laughs> it was really cool, man. He was, what a super nice guy. Yeah, so this is Big Al's beat. He's playing, um, what's he playing? He's got a Cherry Craviato kit. Sounds really nice. Some K-Special dry hats, or symbols, and some Constantinople symbols. His real name is Alan, but for us, he's Big Al. Love it. Everyone, <laughs> have an amazing week. Go out there and practice, and we will see you guys next week. All right, see ya.